What the devil? I want you to picture two neighboring farms that both raise chickens. And let's just say that one particularly cantankerous chicken starts squawking. What the heck's wrong with that creature? I have two very simple questions. For Pete's sake. What's the responsibility of the owner of said chicken? Don't he ever sleep? And what am I supposed to do if it's not my chicken? You gotta be kidding me. Feed it? Shush it? Scream at it? Shoot it? These are difficult questions, especially since it's not my chicken. Lucifer's minion! Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh, we are... Uh, well, f okay, first of all, isn't it nice to have Andy Cherry back with us this morning? Yeah. I sure love... Love having Andy here. Uh, Andy, for, for those of you who are new with us, Andy was our, our worship leader and, and worship pastor for uh, about three years, and he and his wife and their son live in Charlotte now, and he's doing great there and leading at a church called The Cove, and Abe is growing. Their little boy is growing and, and healthy, and we got to hang out a little bit Friday night, so it was great to see Andy, great to have him here. Uh, and we continue a series today called Not My Chicken, and this whole series, don't, don't ask me about the title, we'll talk about the title another time, but uh, the whole series is really about whole person health, right? We, as Christians, I think, uh, focus on the spiritual, and that's a good thing, or on the emotional or relational, and those are really good things as well, but God made us a whole person. God made us a body and a soul and a mind and a spirit. He made us relational, emotional, sexual. We have all these different sides of us, and so this whole series is about engaging with every aspect of who we are because we are uh, mutually interdependent beings, and, and we, we are inextricably bound, all those parts of us. We can't compartmentalize those things. So this whole series is about caring for all of who we are. And, and here's the statement that I kind of want to start with today, and, and just as a matter of vulnerability and confession before you, but I'm uh, pretty self-conscious about my weight. I don't know if, if anybody knows that in the room, uh, but, but that's who I am and how I've been for as long as I can remember, even since I was a kid. I think really it started, not started, but really kind of came to the surface is I played soccer all growing up and like all the time, you're just running all the time so you can eat whatever you want. And then when I graduated high school, I stopped playing soccer. And what I did for those two years is nothing. Uh, I, I, like the only exercise I got was getting up off the couch and walking to my car so I could drive to get fast food. That was the only exercise I got. If they would have had Uber Eats back then, I would have got no exercise at all, right? And so for two years after graduating high school, I would go almost every night to a local Mexican food place called Filiberto's in Phoenix. And Filiberto's, I would get the same thing every night. I would get rice and beans and two beef tacos. And I put beef in air quotes because Filiberto's has had a number of their locations shut down for health code violations because they found cats in the freezer, which is true. It's actually a true story, but their beef tacos are really spectacular. I didn't care. And I just kept eating and my weight ballooned like crazy. I gained like 20, 25 pounds my first year of university. And then I retained it my second year. And then my third year of university, I decided I'm going to go back and play soccer again. So I lost a bunch of weight, started training really hard again and played my third year of university, played soccer. And then after that, I got injured at the end of the year and started to figure out as I went to the gym with a couple of buddies of mine that I was good at moving heavy things. 
So I started strength training. And not only did I start strength training, but I started doing a bunch of supplements, not steroids, but supplements. And so uh, me and a friend of mine named Rustin, who has preached here before, you might have met, remember Rustin, my buddy Darren, we would go to the gym every day and we would use this supplement called Andro. Does anyone know what Andro is? This is why Mark McGuire got banned from baseball. Like a bunch of these guys that were using Andro as like, you know, a stimulant to build up muscle mass, we were using Andro. And back then it wasn't a banned substance. Now it is, it's illegal, but back then it wasn't. So you could go into like a Popeye's and buy it over the counter. It was great, right? And it was horrible for your body. And we would go to the gym every day and we would take uh, our lip like this and take a car key and cut the inside of our lip. Like cut it till it bled and chew up little andro things and put them in there so they would get into our bloodstream faster. I didn't say I was a healthy person. I just said I've always been self-conscious about my weight. So much so as I would do stupid stuff like that. And then as I kind of grew in my ministry career, I also grew, if you know what I mean, in my ministry career. Because my first six to nine months at Scottsdale Bible Church, which is the church I was at before this, and I was there for about eight years. I've been here for a little over six now. I was there for about eight. And um, within walking distance of my office at Scottsdale Bible, walking distance, and of course I wouldn't walk because that's exercise, but I would drive to Chipotle and Chick-fil-A. Ooh, praise Jesus for Chick-fil-A. Have you been to the Chick-fil-A? On the eighth day, God created Chick-fil-A. So I would go to Chick-fil-A and get like three chicken sandwiches and waffle fries and a shake and all that stuff. And so my first six to eight months at Scottsdale Bible Church, because everybody wants to have lunch with the pastor, right? That's what pastors do. We have lunch all the time. So I ate a lot. I weight ballooned and then I lost it again. And then when I started here, you people, you people put me in that exact same position because everybody wants the pastor to come over for dinner. And when the pastor comes over for dinner, you do not make boiled chicken and steamed broccoli and no dessert. That's not what people make. They make like lasagna. I didn't know what congee was until I got here. I'm just eating congee like crazy. I'm like, where have you been all my life? You know, it's perfect, right? Like I just grub like crazy at the end of the year, uh, one of our life group leaders, a former elder, his name is Ravi and his wife, Krupa, host a brunch. Their life group hosts a brunch for, uh, for the staff. And it's all these foods from all these different places like Montreal smoked meat and congee and sushi and people doing homemade stuff and all that. And I'm just, just mowing through, you know, my, my third plate. And they're like, Pastor, don't you think we should pray before we start <laughs> eating? I mean, it was crazy. And, I, and over the first six to nine months of here, my weight ballooned up again so much so that an individual actually approached me after a service, I'm not kidding, and said, Pastor, you've really put on a lot of weight. And I said, that is totally inappropriate, Amy. Like, that's <laughs> not okay to say to me. Here's, here's the deal, and, and it's been up and down my whole life. It's kind of been an accordion. It's been a fluctuating thing my whole life. Because when my chickens start squawking, I start eating. I don't know about you, but when things aren't great in my life, when I've got stress or when my shame gets kicked up a little bit or my anxiety gets kicked up a little bit, an entire sleeve of Oreo cookies really takes the edge off. You know what I mean? They don't call it comfort food for nothing. Like I start eating. This is not something I'm great at, physical wellness. And yet the Bible calls us to it. 
Jesus models it for us, and there is a biblical mandate to care for the temple that God has given you. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do really two parts to this sermon. The first part is this. We're going to do the theological side, the biblical side. I'm going to talk a little bit about the way that the Bible commands us to care for this body, this physical body that God has given to us. And then in the second half, I'm going to invite a friend up named Ben, who I'll introduce here in a minute. And we're going to talk a little bit about some really practical things. Because I could just talk about this and go like, go take care of yourself. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, great. So, but, but I would like to give you some practical tools, some things that you can apply right away this week to start caring for your body in a little bit of a different way or a little bit of a better way. Because again, this series is about whole person health and it is a biblical mandate. So let me tell you the story. Jesus was at Passover, and he went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. Now, this makes Jesus really, really angry, and he's not angry because there's money changers there, because there had to be. You know, it's a currency exchange. People are exchanging currency. That's fine. He's not angry that people are selling oxen and sheep and pigeons because they had to be in the temple. The reason why is because people would travel for weeks to get to the temple for Passover. So you can't like bring an extra oxen with you that you're going to sacrifice. You can't bring an extra pigeon with you. You got to feed and care for that animal. Likely, likelihood, in all likelihood, that animal would die on your way to the temple. So people just packed what they needed. They traveled in caravans. And when, when they got to the temple, they bought their sacrifice and then they made their sacrifice. So Jesus isn't mad at this. He's mad because they're charging a crazy tax on this money changing. A crazy amount of tax. And, and they're overcharging for oxen and sheep and pigeons. So whereas a pigeon would cost X, they're charging four, five, six times X. And Jesus knows that they're doing it on purpose. They have a monopoly here. These people who have come to sacrifice, to worship, they're putting a, a hurdle in front of them. And Jesus is not happy about it. So angry, in fact, that the next thing he does is he makes a whip of cords. Now, Sneak peek into next week, this little phrase right here is really radical because uh, it, it's more than just, you know, Jesus gets angry and he needs a whip to like drive everybody out. So like he's Indiana Jones, you know, or whatever. And he like, there's no whip handy, so I'll make one real quick. That's, there's more going on there. This is chicken management by Jesus, believe it or not. He's got some squawking chickens. They're not sin issues. We talk about that theologically. But they're little things that drive him, little things that could overtake him. And what he does here is he makes a choice to manage his chickens. It's wild what else is going on here besides just the, the practical logistical side of things. We're going to talk about that next week, so a little sneak peek into that. So he makes a whip of cords, he drives them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their table. So it just causes mass chaos. He says, everybody out. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade, or don't make it a den of robbers or thieves. But then his disciples remembered that it was written in the Old Testament, zeal for your house. House, or in this case, his father's house will consume me. The disciples are going, okay, this makes sense because we've read a prophecy about this in the past, that zeal, passionate fervor, unrelenting commitment 
to his father's house, that is to say the temple, will consume him. His disciples are going, yeah, okay, fulfillment of prophecy, I get this. We're going to come back to this statement here in a minute because it's critical. So the Jews say to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? In other words, you just wrecked this whole thing. Like, what do you have to say for yourself? Like, do you have any reason or any, you know, what do you have to say for yourself? So Jesus says, destroy this temple And in three days, I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it in three days? Look, it took us 46 years to build this. You couldn't rebuild it in three days. But he, that's Jesus, was speaking of the temple of his body. So here's what he's saying. He's speaking of the temple of his body. So when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. He was speaking of the temple of his body. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, whereas you have over time gotten used to God dwelling in this physical place, this physical temple in Jerusalem, now when I'm crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, heaven, I'm, I'm, I am the new temple, is what Jesus says. The place where God dwells. He's speaking of the temple of his body. So that will be raised up in three days. He's not talking about the physical temple. He's talking about the temple that is his body. You with me? Okay. And then remember that Jesus has already said that zeal for your house will consume me. So zeal for this temple, this body, will consume me. So zeal for the old school temple, that is the physical temple in the Old Testament, and even zeal for the new temple, that is to say Jesus' body, consumes him. So here's my statement, and this is not complicated. It's that if zeal for God's temple consumed Jesus, then it should consume us too. Easy, right? If zeal for God's temple consumed Jesus... It should consume us too. We should be zealous for God's temple. So does that mean we should all move to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD? I hope not, right? What it means is this. Over the course of the next decades, as the apostles wrote to the early church and those writings were collected into scripture, a man named the apostle Paul would write this to God's church. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple? And God's spirit dwells in you. Paul says, you are God's temple. And so zeal for God's temple should consume you. And Paul is talking about here all of who you are. The spiritual aspects of who you are. The emotional and relational aspects of who you are, the mental aspects of who you are, and the physical aspects of who you are. That you should be zealous for the temple that God gave you. You should have passionate fervor for that temple in every possible way. Paul would go on to say, he says, I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. So in every way, instead of my body controlling me, I control my body. I control my appetites. I control my passions. I control those things in order to care for the temple that God has given me. That is to say, my body. So here's, here's the big spiritual truth that we're going to grab before we talk about practical applications. And and here's the spiritual truth. I should treat God's temple less like a rental car and more like a lease. 
How many of you have ever rented a car before? Yeah, good. How many of you have ever washed a rental car? You know what I mean? Okay, how many of you have ever taken an hour to vacuum it out? Right? I don't either. Right? And the rental car, it's great because like Kaya's in the back seat. She's eating ice cream out of the tub. And I'm like, just throw it, babe. It's fine. Just throw it around the car. It's fine. She's like, what happens if we get going 100 kilometers an hour down the freeway and just throw it into reverse? I don't know. Let's figure it out. That, that sounds great. Because I bought the $10 a day insurance package on this thing. And I'm just going to return it. And they're going to say, thank you, Mr. Cooper. And I just get my keys back. And it's all going to be good at the end of this thing. Nobody ever washes a rental car. Nobody takes care of a rental car. Nobody vacuums out a rental car does anyone have a leased car i have a leased car i leased my car because i cannot uh buy a car in canada because of my status i'll tell you the story some other time but i have a leased car right and when it's a leased car you treat it really really well you know why because at the end of that lease you are going to bring that vehicle back to the dealership and if someone has breathed on that vehicle wrong they are going to charge you $6,000 to give them the vehicle back, right? So now, instead of like a rental car where Kai's eating sunflower seeds in the back and we're just spitting them on the floor, you know, like a saloon or something in the vehicle, like now, because it's a leased car, Kai has asked me before, like, Daddy, uh, can I take off my shoes in the car? I'm like, you should take off your shoes before you get in the car. Like, we don't, you don't wear shoes in the car and track mud everywhere. Good gracious, girl. Like, I'm, I'm the only one that's allowed in my vehicle. And even me, you know, I have to shower before I get in because it's a leased car. And I think some of us treat this body that God has given us a little bit like a rental, you know? We're like, well, one day I'm going to die and go to heaven and he's going to give me a new body. So in the meantime, I can just throw this sucker into reverse at 100 kilometers an hour to see what happens, Right? Instead of treating it like a lease where we go, look, I'm going to care for this temple that God has given me. I'm going to steward the body that God has given me. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to care for it to the best of my ability because God has given it to me to steward. Now, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, and, and, and I've trying to think about, you know, from a spiritual perspective, from a biblical perspective, what are the positive outcomes? Like, why would one care for one's body? Well, I mean, so you stay healthy longer and you live longer so you can do more for the kingdom of God. True. Uh, you stay healthy longer so you can be a great parent to your kids longer. True. But here's the deal. Caring for your body is an intrinsically and inherently biblical thing. You know why? Because God gave you a body. He made you a body. He didn't make you just like this disembodied spirit that just kind of floats around in the clouds. He gave you a physical body on purpose with hands where you can reach across an aisle and shake somebody's hand, say, peace be with you. Legs that you can walk into here and worship on a Sunday morning. He made us this way for a purpose. And because God designed us this way, it's inherently and intrinsically a good thing to care for our physical bodies. A little more like a lease and a little less like a rental car. So here's what I'm going to do. That's the spiritual principle. That's the biblical principle. And since I'm not really great at it, I brought an expert in 
to have a little conversation about it. His name is Ben Aylwin. Um, just a couple of things about Ben. Ben graduated from the University of Windsor with a degree in kinesiology, uh, which essentially amounts to how to get jacked is that degree, uh, how to get super swole. Uh, th that's not what that degree is, but he was, a, he was a varsity athlete, rugby athlete. He's got basically every certification known to man when it comes to physical training. He uh, uh, opened a gym up in Newmarket. He's a personal trainer. And I've been training with Ben for the last couple of years and learned learned quite a bit about caring for my body, not just from a, you know, let's go in and lift some weights kind of way, but some real practical things that I can do to uh, uh, obey this biblical principle, this spiritual principle, and to care well for the temple that God has given me. One more quick thing about Ben is that he's not a Christian, doesn't claim to be, but he is an expert in this field, and so don't ask him for spiritual advice but you may ask him for physical advice. And the reason I brought Ben in is because when you ask a plumber to come into your house and fix your pipes, you don't, you don't want the plumber to come in and pray for the clog, right? Oh, Jesus, free the clog. Free the clog, Jesus. It's like, okay, it's done. No, 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 fix it, right? So in the same way, I brought this expert in who's become a very, very good friend of mine to talk to us a little bit about caring for our physical bodies. And so would you welcome Ben Aylwin up, please? Now, uh, here's the thing about Ben is that um, I, like to, I like to hang out with him because he makes me look so much fitter, right? Like, if you look at him, you think, you know, he's chunky and so, and, and not fit. You and look very healthy. Lucas. I look very healthy you compared look to very you. very healthy. Compared to you. That's Com why compared we... Compared to almost everybody that I meet. Thank you. He's a beautiful man, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that comment right there either means you are definitely coming back next week or you're never invited here again. I'm not sure. We can we watch it later on the yeah, website. Yeah, let's watch it we on the video. Yeah, we'll see how it feels. Let's see how go. it feels. All right, so Ben, uh, over the last couple of years, as we become friends and as I've trained with him more and more, has talked to me about really some very, very simple guidelines uh, to help us develop physical health. And, and this goes for anyone and everyone. I mean, some of Ben's clients, I mean, you got clients that are seniors that are dealing with cancer. Yeah, I've worked with people kind of in all walks of life over my career. Um, you know, people that have disabilities, people that have illnesses, uh, people that are completely able-bodied. And um, I don't really like to, again, they're not rules that you have to follow, but these um, these things are uh, pieces of advice that I have found have helped every single person that I've come in contact with. Yeah, great. So let's start. What's the first one? Okay. Um, so the first one is setting goals. Uh, we've all made New Year's resolutions in the past. Who here has actually completed a New Year's resolution in its entirety? I made a resolution and make no more resolutions. And I, since then, haven't made any. Pretty much the only one you can guarantee. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the reason that a lot of New Year's resolutions fail is that you kind of make them too big. Right? So you say, uh, I want to lose weight this year. Or I want to get fit. Or I want to run a marathon. Right? Those are gigantic goals. And they're not bad goals. Right. Because every goal has value, and it sort of gives you a target to aim at. But how do we eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. Yeah. So the key to goal setting is using SMART goal setting. Mm -hmm. And that SMART is an acronym 
that we like to use. All right, so the S is for? Specific. Yeah, so get jacked. Get jacked. That's my specific goal this year. It's not all that specific. Okay, because all right, no. Because to be specific, our goal also has to incorporate the M, which is immeasurable. Okay. Okay. Get super jacked. So super jacked, actually, on the tape measures that they give you when you become a personal trainer, eventually you get to super jacked. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know no, that. Yeah, it's a yeah. thing. So anyways, let's, let's, let's make a more realistic goal. Okay. Okay, so let's say I want to run a marathon. Huge goal, right? Um, I'm not prepared to run a marathon, but that's going to be sort of like my, my framework. I'm going to use that to kind of... Uh, you know, work down from there. Mm. So now, um, you know, I want to make a more measurable goal and, um, you know, a more, a more attainable goal. So let's mm -hmm. say I start with, uh, with three walks per week. Okay. Okay, I have a calendar, right? I can measure how many walks I go on, right? Three walks a week. Monday I go for a walk. I check it off my calendar. But we can be even more specific than that, and we can put a time on our walks. So let's say I do three 20-minute walks a week. Okay. Again, now we're getting even more specific, even more measurable. Right, so you got specific, Yep. very, very specific goal. It's a measurable goal. I know I can tick the boxes off. Yep. Like there is no tape measure that says I'm super jacked. Nope. So, so we need to come up with a measurable goal. Absolutely. And the A is for? A is for actionable. Okay. So something that you can take action on today, right? Human beings are fantastic procrastinators, right? I'm actually especially good at it because I can procrastinate procrastinating. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. I can actually I, I put say, off are you, my procrastination. Yeah, are you going to procrastinate today? Ben said, no, I'm going to do that next week. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's wild. I've never seen that before. Absolutely. Very skilled. But again, by, by breaking our elephant into smaller chunks, now we can start to take action on these goals right away. So, if your goal is to do three 20-minute walks a week, now all of a sudden... I can go and do that right after this service. I can get the first one out of the way. You can do it now if you, you wanted to. You can do it right to. now. Yeah. We can do yeah. 20 minutes of exercise right here, right now. What do you guys say? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you're, if you did that, you're definitely not coming back. Yeah, yeah. could you imagine? <laughs> Cue the music. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> just unzip and yeah. just get after just... it. <laughs> so we have, our actionable, we have our actionable goals set. And then this is the tough part, right? Because this is, this is a difficult conversation that I have with my clients. Um, it's, it's a difficult conversation for you to have with yourself is you have to have a realistic goal, okay? If my goal is to run a marathon, I'm not ready for that. So that's why you have to start to break your elephant into bigger chunks. You have to be humble enough to realize when you make your goal too big. And that doesn't mean your goal is bad. Again, you can use it kind of like uh, to, to aim at but just start to... Like, I'm never going to play in the NFL. You're never going to play in the NFL, yeah. but does that mean that you can't, I can't improve watch your the fit? NFL on the couch today? Yes, I could do that. That's a, a realistic goal. goal. That's yeah. a realistic goal. So you can definitely achieve it. Specific, <laughs> measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and then the T is... And then the T is timely. Okay. So again, about breaking it into chunks. You want something that, that you can complete in a timely fashion so that you put off the procrastination and you really get after yeah. it. Yeah, right and one of the things that Ben and I have talked about when it comes to goals, even in my own uh, kind of journey in physical wellness, is that weeks are better than years. Yes. Right? As opposed to like, I'm going to do something this year. I'm going to run a marathon this year. I'm going to get fit this year. I'm going to lose weight this year or right. whatever. I'm going to live through this year, uh, you know, whatever. Right. We'd only got a little bit of time left, so that's good. Absolutely. Uh, it's better to say, hey, this week... I'm going to do just a couple of things. So yeah. set goals. Yeah. You know, this week we get on the bike. 
Yeah. Right? This week, we go for a walk. This week, when we're at the park with our kids, we play with those kids in the park, and we don't just sit on the bench and socialize with the parents, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, guideline number two? Guideline number two is do something every day or move every day. Okay. Okay? And this is, this is a big one. This is kind of intimidating, um, and I love to use, uh, use my mom as an example for this. Okay? So I train my mom. I have been for a long time now, and... Um, my mom trains with me in the gym twice a week, okay? But going back to her goals, we want to make sure that, you know, her movement every day is realistic. So my mom is 67 years old. She's not here today, so it's okay so it's that I say share their age. that with Say their age, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So she's 67 years old. It's not realistic for my mom to come in and train with me seven days a week and lift weights every single time she comes in and trains. So what does she do instead? Two days a week, she works out with me. And because she's a senior, she gets to go to the senior center and do two yoga classes a week. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's already the majority of the week covered. Yeah. Four out of seven days. During the summertime, she loves to garden. And when you're gardening, you're moving. It's moving, yeah. It's moving. Yeah. So now she's physically active seven days out of the week. We actually have a picture of your mom here at the gym uh, chasing there a chicken. There she is. Yeah, that's, that's her, Sylvester Stallone chasing, chasing chickens. Sylvester Stallone managing his chickens. That's it, that's right. Yeah, yeah very well done. Yeah, Absolutely. so Mrs. Aylwin here. Uh, no, but I've met your mom, and I know yep. that she works very hard at the gym sure. those two days a week, but it's, it's within where she is. It's her know, ability yeah, level. Yeah, it's her ability level. Right, and then the key to moving every day is finding something that you enjoy. Some people hate going to the gym, and that's totally okay. They think that exercise is our enemy, right? They think that exercise is our enemy, but actually... Yeah, it's your friend. It's there your you friend, go. yeah. Right? So go for bike rides. Like I said before, play with the kids. Go for a walk. Maybe you like swimming. Go swimming, right? Join a, join a sports team, uh, squash league, soccer, anything, right? Just find what you enjoy, what you truly enjoy, and then this becomes very, very easy because you look forward to it. Yeah, that's great. Guideline number three. Guideline number three. This Resting. is my favorite guideline. This Resting. is, oh man. Yeah. So, so good. So, we talked about this the other day that, like, uh-huh. you can actually die from starvation, you can right. die from dehydration, and you right. can die from sleep deprivation. Like, right. how critical is it that we need sleep? It's important. It's as important as food and water, mm-hmm. right? Um, and specifically, when we're talking about get rest, we're talking about sleep. Okay, so sleeping is, uh, it's so important. It's the best recovery strategy that we have right now um, in terms of uh, just the human body. And and athletics, it's particularly kind of uh, pointed at athletes. Um, LeBron James, for example, I listened to a a phenomenal interview with with his strength and conditioning coach. LeBron James, the, the number one thing that his trainer gets him to do is sleep. Really? Yep. Wow. And didn't what you said, like, even his, people asked him, your career has gone on so long, and, like, what are, and what are the keys to having a long career? Get jacked. Get jacked is number one. No, that was not, that was not number one. Yeah, what were his, he had a couple, right? Well, yeah, his his two most important things were going to be, are his sleep and his nutrition. Wow. Massive. LeBron James isn't LeBron James if he doesn't get proper nutrition and proper sleep. Wow. Yep. So this biblical principle, right, and you may have heard this before, but uh, Jesus says that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. 
So God even programmed into his rhythms six days, right, of work and then day seven of rest. And he's given that to us as a gift. And so we should accept that gift. So essentially what we're saying here is perhaps the most spiritual thing you can do today is nap. That's essentially what we're saying. Absolutely. And some of Praise you. Praise Jesus. Yes, that's right. Get a nap. Yeah, Ben is about to repent and believe and, and, and come, to, come to Christ right here on the platform. Absolutely. That's right. He's going to be a pastor. He's preaching next week, by the way. Um, Lucas is taking a little break. Yeah. He needs right. to get some rest. That's right. So uh, the, the other thing about this is, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have a tough time kind of turning it off at night, right? Because mm-hmm. in the GTA these days, and people are working like crazy, and yeah. I got two kids and a job and all that stuff. And so I asked Ben the other day about kind of his nighttime routine to yep. help him kind of land the plane a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, we've already talked about, there's sort of like three main uh, strategies for getting really, really good sleep. Um, the first one we already talked about, which is do something every day, Right. Uh, if you're active every day, then when you, you know, shut it down at night, you're actually tired, and you will fall asleep faster, okay? Um, the, the second thing is one that we're about to talk about, but the third one is put down your phone and pick up a book. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. How many of you would rather run a marathon today than put down your phone, right? You're like, I'd rather run 26 miles than to get off Instagram for 24 hours. You have for a sure. problem. You have a problem, for by the sure. way. Yeah. So t- tell me about the, because there's a physiological reason here. Absolutely. So um, all of our phones and our screens, um, they produce blue light. This is, the, the research has become really prevalent in the last couple of years. And uh, Matthew Walker, uh, mm-hmm. PhD, wrote a phenomenal book about sleep. It's called Why We Sleep. And uh, for anybody who's interested in it, I, I encourage it. It's a wonderful read, um, and it teaches you a lot. But uh, in his research, uh, he discovered that the blue light that comes off of your phone, uh, your computer screen, your television set actually suppresses the release of melatonin. And we all have heard melatonin, that's our sleep hormone. Right. And over the course of the day, especially as the sun goes down, what's meant to happen is that that melatonin builds up in your brain and you start to feel that pressure. We've all felt that when you're really tired, especially when you're driving home at night, right, and you're, you're nodding like this, you feel that pressure inside of your head and that's that sleep pressure. Yeah. So by staying on our phone and by staying on our devices late into the evening after the sun has gone down, that pressure doesn't get to build. And so after you shut off the TV, you finish your episode of Game of Thrones and, and uh, you watch... Nobody st- watches Game of Thrones here. No? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you, uh, you turn off the television, you go upstairs, you brush your teeth and you lay down and you're, you're wide awake in bed and you can't understand why. It, it might take you, everybody's different, but it might take you half an hour, 45 minutes, up to an hour to actually fall asleep. And then what happens while we're laying there awake is that our mind starts racing now. Right. Right? You're thinking about all the things that yeah. you didn't get to do today, maybe that conversation you have with somebody. It's, it, and this is where, you know, our mind races and, and we stay up even longer. But when you pick up a book. You know what happens when you pick up a book late at night, don't you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. The eyes start to close. Yeah. All of a sudden, those, those eyelids start to get heavy. It's, melato- yet, it's melatonin. It's melatonin. That's it's the, the pressure physio- building up because you're not getting... is that wild? 
You're that not wild? getting that light yeah. into your eyes. So I, you know what's funny is that Amy's uh, melatonin level goes through the roof when we have conversations. Uh, I've seen it. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've all witnessed it. Yeah, she just starts to nod off. You know, so so <laughs> you're, you're she not put, stimulating her enough. No, she, yeah, we put put down her phone and then we have a conversation and she's gone. She's out. So yeah. Uh, but that's a real good tactic for those of us who you know you lay your head on the pillow and your mind's racing and going crazy. Uh, get off your screen an hour earlier. You know, watch one mm-hmm. less show. Yep. Put your phone. You know, none of this scrolling through. Yep. And pick up a book and and it helps you to get the rest that your body needs and and the Sabbath really that your body needs. Yep. So uh, f- guideline number four. Love this one. Guideline number four is is tough. It's very controversial. Uh, is eat right. And in, in, in this day and age when uh, we're kind of inundated with all these different opinions and documentaries and newspaper articles, et cetera, uh, what is actually eating right? Keto. Keto? Just the keto diet. All fats, baby. Yeah, that's right. Bacon. Bacon. Oreos. And You're doing good so far. Bacon. See, that's the third and, food And group. water. Right. And hi- and hydrate. You got to hydrate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... When I'm working with my clients, like, again, full disclosure, I am not a nutritionist at all, so I really stay away from giving specific advice to people, and everybody out there is different. You know, um, some people are vegans, and they deal really well with a vegan diet, and they love that, and they're healthy that way, and that's perfect for them. Some people like to be more vegetarian. You go keto. You go as far uh, off the spectrum as being a complete carnivore these days. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about that diet where people are just eating T-bone steaks and stuff. Um, but can not, let's Google that right well, now because yeah, we'll that, sound, that, yeah, later, that sounds yeah. like an amazing diet. <clears throat> but, mm-hmm. uh, but when I'm giving advice to my clients, um, I like to use, uh, I like to use a, a, little, uh, a little memory tool, and that's uh, nothing in a box, nothing in a bag. So I'm at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and my goal is to not purchase anything that comes in a box. Correct. And any, or anything that comes in a bag. Correct. So what actually can I eat is the question. Therein lies the rub. So yeah. everybody has heard shop around the perimeter of your grocery stores, right? And what's on the perimeter of our grocery stores is all of our perishable foods, stuff that isn't you know, filled with preservatives and sugars and those kinds of things. So, you know, in my grocery store on the, on the left-hand side, we have all of our fruits and vegetables, all the produce and the deli, right? And then you get into some fresh breads. And then, and then down the back of the store, you have all the beautiful meats. Yeah. And then you have, uh, you Cheese, know, dairy, cheeses. cheeses, yogurt. Yogurt is a tub. It's not a box or a bag, so you're okay with yogurt. What about cheese? And cheese is wrapped. Okay, that's a wrapper. Um, that's yeah. different. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I'm, starting to, I'm starting to get more excited about this. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So basically, uh, w- with this rule, what, we're trying to, what I'm trying to get across is that try to eat a more, uh, a more natural diet, a more whole food diet. You might have heard that being thrown around quite a bit these days. A whole food diet. And that's trying to avoid processed foods wherever you can find them, right? So if it's in a box, there's probably a pretty good chance that it's, it's jacked up with yeah. preservatives, yep. right? And uh, stuff that will make it stay on the shelf longer. And uh, that's not so good for for your body. So try to go, go more towards whole foods, yeah, natural okay. stuff. So pop quiz here. Uh, yes. uh, look up here on the screen. I'm just going to rapid fire here. Right, can can I eat this? Fudge so, covered Oreos. So, sometimes. Okay, can I eat this? Uh, dessert pie Oreo. <laughs> Definitely okay, can sometimes. I, can I eat this? Uh, pudding pops. Oh my goodness. Or, Oreo pudding pops. Sometimes. Okay, can sure. I eat this? 
uh, Oreos, cookies you and cream with 20% more Oreo. Now, Whoa. oh yeah, Sometimes. can I eat this? Which is the most stuff, not just f- single stuff or double stuff. This is they're, the most stuff. They're doing the you science. Know, you know they're who packing you, it in. You know you have the thing for this. USA, baby. That's that's what we USA. do. USA. That's what America does. Oh. All right. Can I eat this uh, Oreo candy bar? It looks delicious cake. sometimes. Can I eat this uh, ice cream cake? An entire <laughs> Def- Oreo ice cream cake. Definitely. Can I eat this? Uh, <laughs> it's they're Oreo not, cookie dough. We don't even bother cooking it anymore. We're just eating straight for us from anymore. the thing. All right. So can I eat Take this uh, Oreo State Fair Oreos? Deep fried Oreos. Oreos. Deep fried in yeah. a bag. You don't even have to wait for the X anymore. You can just get them off. The shelf. Can I eat this? An entire holiday you, house. You should ask Kaya about that one. I bet you she will be all over that. Yeah, buddy. The yeah. construction of your house. Yeah, she would really love that. Okay, Ben's got uh, just one more quick uh, kind of guideline for us, and I really love this one, and it's use your mind. It's use your mind. Would you talk about that one just a little bit? So, yeah, um, the mind is your most meaningful muscle. Um, uh, we're so technologically driven now, and I don't know everybody in this room. I hope that I get to meet um, all of you at some point, uh, so I'm not sure what all of your occupations are, uh, but I, I get the sense that a lot of people have occupations that are sort of mind-numbing. You're sort of going through the motions day-to-day, and you're not really doing anything that's stimulating your creativity, and that's what we're talking about here um, when your mind is your most meaningful muscle. Um, so you want to try to try to do things throughout the day to train your mind as, as well as your body. Um, and this is awesome because it just involves playing games and being creative, essentially. Yeah, I think one of the things we were talking about the other day is like a lot of people think creative or uh, creativity mm-hmm. is painting mm-hmm. or writing music or whatever. One of the right. things that you picked up recently to challenge your mind is... Uh, is snooker. Snooker. Is snooker. <laughs> I got hooked on these snooker tournaments that were on TV. Does everyone know that's not a dirty word, snooker? That sounds snooker. Like a dirty, it sounds like a dirty <laughs> Sorry, word. Sorry, should I explain? Snooker is a type of pool. It's a type of billiards, okay, right? It's a type yeah. of billiards So for game. Baptists in the room, just close your ears, all right? Yeah. So, yeah. so anyhow, but uh, you know, I got hooked on this game and uh, it's really, really interesting. And you know, trying to figure out all the angles and the combination of, of keeping your mind really calm and still and, and focusing on the shot and then, and then trying to get the body to do what the mind is, is telling it to do. Right. That's really where you get that, that mind-body connection. And anything where you're getting that is going to be, I think, a more powerful stimulation of the mind than just doing, uh, you know, than just reading a book. Yeah, and you're right about the occupation thing. Like, so many folks, I think, are in an occupation where they're uh, sedentary physically, mm-hmm. uh, and then a lot of folks that are in an occupation where they are physically engaged through most of the day, mm-hmm. it's a lot of times can be sedentary mentally. So it's right. that balance you of check out. Yeah, finding a way to engage both uh, mind and body. So those mm-hmm. are five really good guidelines for maintaining the temple that God has given you. Would you guys uh, give it up for Ben? Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, Lucas. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. All right, so here's the deal. We're just going to wrap up real quick. And, and I know that for some of you, you're like, oh, my gosh, we just, like, had a health and wellness class at church this morning. This was not what I expected. But the reality is God has given you the body that you have. God has given you that body. And whether you are 9 or 90, 
there are some things that you can do to care for that body in a healthy way, whether it's using your mind, whether it's engaging yourself physically on a daily basis, whether it's shifting your diet up just a little bit, whether it's setting goals, whatever that is, I hope today there's one thing and one thing only that you can take away and go, you know what, this week I'm going to engage in this one particular aspect of whole body wellness in order to follow that biblical mandate of caring for God's temple. And not everyone can choose the nap one, okay? How many of you have already chosen? Yes, a nap. That's what I'm going to, okay, you got to choose something else on top of that, all right? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the opportunity to uh, be together this morning, to have a little bit of fun, uh, to laugh, and also hopefully to learn a little bit about the ways in which you've created us and the ways in which you've um, challenged us to care for all aspects of who we are. And God, we've been talking about it for the last couple weeks. We've talked about caring for our spiritual side and our emotional side and our relational side. And today, we talked about that physical side. And so, um, God, would you uh, empower us? God, even uh, help us get kind of over that hump a little bit of thinking maybe I can't do these things, I can't eat right, I can't exercise. God, remind us that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind and self-discipline so that we can grow in in every aspect of who we are. God, thanks for the time together this morning and for the time that we've had to worship in Jesus' name. Amen.